Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. And by Sheward & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. It's not unheard of for us to jump into something with two feet and totally commit to it, only to discover sometime later that things aren't working out exactly as we planned and we need to take some remedial action. On your wedding day, for example, you don't imagine you're going to find yourself a few years later making an appointment for couples therapy. When you drive off the lot in your fabulous new car, you don't imagine that in a year you're going to be cursing the day you got suckered into buying it. When you start a business, you can also find yourself sometime down the road at a point that you could never have imagined on the day you launched. In a bad marriage, you have the option of divorce. The car you hate, you can sell. In business, there's also a single word for making radical change. The word is pivot. Pivoting a business is not an admission of failure. It's an acknowledgement of the difference between a business plan and reality. My lunch guests today both have recent experiences in pivoting their businesses. Butch Roussel is the founder of a project called CivicSide. CivicSide lets citizens use crowdsourcing and crowdfunding, which are kind of like online versions of a town hall meeting and bake sale, to make local community projects happen in the real world. It's a great idea, and CivicSide had its moments. Out of it, Butch has come to realize that the principles of CivicSide are best implemented when there's a hard and fast time frame around a community's project's creation. That's how Butch came to pivot CivicSide into what is now called the 24-Hour Citizen Project. Butch, welcome to Out to Lunch. What an introduction. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Aileen. <laughs> Shane East was a CEO and head of business development for a company called Kieran Holdings. Kieran provided quality, health and safety and environmental consulting and training for the oil and gas, pipeline, marine vessel and construction industries. One of the facets of this training was the use of simulation in safety and operational training for onshore and offshore personnel. Out of this experience, Shane came to realize that the industry was going in an exciting new direction, one that utilizes artificial intelligence and machine learning to create a kind of parallel universe where businesses can, in a way, time travel into the future and model possible challenges before they show up into the real world. This technology is called Digital Twin. So Shane has pivoted his company to become a new entity now called Digital Twin Studios. Shane, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Eileen. Good, glad to be here. Butch, as I understand it, each 24-hour citizen project kicks off with a live event. People show up in teams and pitch their pet community project to the assembled crowd and a panel of judges. Mm -hmm. The judges pick eight projects. Those teams have 24 hours to, well, this is where it gets a bit murky. <laughs> what kind of community project that's any real use to a community like a playground, a pool, a community center can go from pitch to reality in 24 hours? What am I missing? None. No project can, right? But there's something really cool about titles 
uh, in timelines that people are drawn to. And so the projects take longer than 24 hours for a number of reasons. One, the majority of the people that are applying for the project are just average citizens, right? So they have full-time jobs. So this is sort of a labor of love for them. So, but they have 24 hours. Do you lock them in a room and don't let them leave for those 24 hours? That's, well, not quite. We give them a lot of coffee and give them incentive to stay. But they're encouraged not to sleep. They literally, right. it's 24 hours from that point. It's 24 hours of work. So if you're pursuing a, a certain community project, there are things that you have to do, right? So you need permission from the community. You need subject matter experts to kind of further the, that idea along. And then you need funding. And so those are the three things that we really focus on during the 24 hours. But it literally does take 24 hours and they work on it overnight. Depends on the project, yeah. But we, we, we provide coffee and a space to them. So if they want to stay up all night and, and be brave enough to pitch to a, a crowd of 200 people and a panel of backers uh, the next day, then we make it happen. Really, so you come out with a project management plan out of that 24-hour meeting, and basically, after at that point, they just need funding and yeah. And so, so, it, so they come up with an idea about six weeks before the event, and so depending on the scope of the idea, so it could be big or small, but these are micro projects, right? So they're they're less than ten thousand dollar projects. Um, they're small, supposed to be proof of concept projects. Um, so every project kind of takes on their own their own form, which means they need uh, they need different subject matter experts, right, or different permissions. And so if we see a project, maybe it's a ten thousand dollar project, and we know that it's going to require a lot of buy-in from LCG, then we'll start that process early, and then we'll create an agenda for them during that twenty-four hour periods, where they just like. You know, so you're not calling people up at 2 a.m. saying, this is the first time you've heard of this project and we need your advice? No, 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 okay. no, no. no. We do some planning uh, um, in advance. <laughs> Shane, digital twin technology is pretty cutting-edge stuff. It uses data and modeling and sophisticated technology to envisage and gameplay the future. The kind of businesses that you're applying this technology to in Acadiana, oil and gas principally, have huge amounts of money tied up in their industries and they're by nature conservative. Not the kind of industries that typically jump into cutting edge innovative business practices. How do you approach companies like this when you yourself have a brand new company and how do you get them to trust you? Well, uh, so it's really hard as a small company um, and a new company to build those kind of relationships and it's you're almost, going straight to big companies you're we're going not straight dealing to with the top yeah and we we had to the type of business that we're doing really um is supported by companies that are by their nature are going to be larger uh companies that can afford the kind of development we're doing and yeah I, there's no way i can get in the door with companies like that uh cold calling or 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 just literally like emailing or something like that so we generally have to have uh someone uh, open the door for us. And how do you find uh, those people to open doors? It comes in all forms, but uh, we meet them uh, lately. It's been through the investors that we have. We've been real careful about what investors we take on, um, that they have the ability to open some doors and that they've been in the industry a while. Um, and then um, a lot of conferences, a lot of uh, press uh, events like this uh, to try and get the word out. And um, yeah. Basically, it's there's there's no cold call market anymore for what we're doing for sure. It's it's got to be a relationship. 
So we talk about your company being cutting edge, but you're not using 3D goggles or whatever they're called. You're actually taking a technology and putting it onto their laptops, which seems a little bit old school. Why wouldn't you be getting them to invest in so, new technology? Right, right, right. So we, we looked at both options. Um, there are a lot of operators and a lot of companies that want to be on the kind of the bleeding edge of technology. And a lot of the competitors that we worked with um, reside there. They want to they want to buy the latest tech and the latest software and and build these you know the best new thing out there. Um, and instead of competing in that space, we looked at there's this whole underserved market um, in between. So there's uh, for computer-based training, there's PowerPoint slides or, or slideshows and uh, <laughs> and videos, uh, video content. Um, and then there's the cutting edge VR, you know, high end, super expensive content to develop. But there's this whole space in between where um, it's nothing's been developed new for 20 years. So we looked at uh, and we realized we could replace uh, slideshows and videos with interactive type training uh, for about the same price uh, as what you would pay a company to outsource a slideshow development or video. And we're, we're serving that market. We're not trying to be cutting edge, bleeding edge technology. We're just trying to, the next iteration of slideshows, basically. Neither of you guys, Butch, Shane, neither of you were born here. Butch, you came here for college. Shane, you came during middle school. So why stay? Why Lafayette? Um, <clears throat> I, I actually ponder on that question a lot. Um, and uh, especially the first couple of years I was here, like this is, I'm, I'm just gonna kind of be honest, right? I, I feel like you look around Lafayette, let's, I'll, I'll walk you through it. You get off at University Avenue and you come down, right? And you're driving. And before having come here, you've never been here before, but you've, hear, you've heard people say, Lafayette's an awesome place, right? I, I mean, and you, you hear about the culture, you hear about the music, you hear about the, like all the little intangible things. <clears throat> And um, you get here, and the place just isn't very pretty until you stay and you kind of learn about the different layers of the community and the people and the intangibles. And uh, there's just something special about it. Shane, why is your company based here when it could be based anywhere in the world? Well, I mean, first off, of course, uh, I'm originally from New Orleans, so I'm not very far away. And it turns out, I mean, I had a ton of family here. So when we moved here, uh, middle school, um, there, were, uh, there were a lot of anchors here, family-wise. And then after I uh, graduated high school, I went to college at UL uh, right here and um, started my own family. Uh, so really, you know, this is my hometown. I mean, originally born in New Orleans and, and um, lived there for a few years, but I've been here 30-something years. So it, this is home for me. So how many establishments are you both happy to build your businesses here? What are your plans to expand? Butch, do you want there to be a 24-hour citizen project in every community in the country? If you're doing something good um, and if it deserves to be shared, then you're doing an injustice to communities by not doing that. And so we're kind of at that point now. We're developing some resources in a toolkit going into year three and testing it and then really making a decision from there, you know, like, what does this look like in five years? Is it worthy of sharing? 
So it's going to be like a franchise? When it's uh, potentially. A, a free franchise. <laughs> you know, something, something open source, something that other communities can tap into. Um, and we're providing a recipe to make things happen. So, Butch, what are so some fun. of the projects that have come out of what you do so far? Oh, goodness. Um, there's been a bus stop prototype project that's been pretty cool. So there's a big problem with bus stops in Lafayette um, where they don't have any shelters. And so we had a team. Come and it tends to be hot here during the summer. And exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're in, you're in Louisiana. Oh, it's rain. It rains, right? And so there's a team that came together and said we could develop a bus stop prototype for really cheap. Um, and if successful, then maybe we can duplicate that throughout, throughout the area. So that was one fun project. We've got a library project. It's a musical instrument library. So instead of going check out a book at the library, you can check out a musical instrument if you want to learn how to use it. Um, we've got Crew de Canai. It's Lafayette's first walking parade. They were funded this past year. Uh, we had a Hydrate Lafayette project where we installed drinking water fountains all around Lafayette. Just a bunch of fun stuff. It's amazing what people come up with. It really is. So Kruger to Kanai was you guys. Oh, uh, yeah, really we were cool. we were the platform for for the team that that pitched it and got it funded. That's neat. There's there's things happening. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Butch Roussel from the 24-Hour Citizen Project and Shane East from Digital Twin Studios. Both of you have got reasonably new companies that you both intend to grow. How are you getting the word out about what you do? Shane, what you do is very specialized. How, what's your first approach to that? Are you just telling everybody and hoping some of it sticks? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's step one, of course. Talk about it a lot. Um, and uh, we try to tap into our network. We're building our network pretty quick. Uh, we went through, we just graduated from the Accelerated Canadiana program uh, with uh, the Opportunity Machine and Lita. Uh, a guy named uh, Pete Prados was really, really helpful in that program. Um, and and uh, uh, Zachary Barker. And they basically, they introduced us to the Canadiana Angel Group, uh, which helped us get funded. Right, um, let's talk about yeah. investors because people know because they watch Shark Tank and get mm-hmm. an investment sounds a great thing. How does that work and is it expensive to fund what you're doing? Um, so it's not, it wasn't super expensive. We had to cover payroll and, and um, that was really the, uh, and buy some hardware for our developers. So it wasn't super expensive to get into, uh, but we were funding it before from profit from our other company. Before so we why did, the did pivot. you need investors? Uh, to, so that we could fully make the pivot. Instead of having to manage two companies and try to grow this one while trying to maintain a different one, the investors gave us that extra boost where we were uh, able to focus on 100% on this company. So did you have and a funding round where you offered them a certain percentage of your company in return for Yes. Work? Yeah, yeah. We sold off. Uh, so like you would see on Shark Tank, yes. we, we offered 20% of the company for uh, $300,000. And yeah. the... The angel said yes to that. Yes, and the angel the said yes, and we've we're about halfway through that funding round. Uh, we are, we're pitching again this next Wednesday to finish out the round. We've, we're probably about ninety percent there. And which is scarier, asking people for funding or having the funding and having to deliver? Uh, actually, I mean that's what we're really good at is the execution part. So really getting the just trying to get convince people that we're worth it in the first place was to me the challenge but uh yeah once we got the cash and we we already had a real good plan on how to move forward with it 
And Butch, is there anything you want to know about how to get funding? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, uh, we, that's, that's pretty much our, our job in the community. You know, like the thing is, the thing that we've had to deal with is like, how do you make community sexy? Like, how is it, how do you brand it so that it's fun? Um, that's a great it, question. Butch, how do you make community <laughs> sexy? No idea. Put your face on a billboard. Um, talking about your face, not mine. <laughs> I don't think that would work. No, I, th I think uh, I think you break down the feeling that community stuff is is formal. Instead, it's just it's informal. It's about relationships. For example, you know, like when when our teams show up on a Friday night, like we could put them in a very stale room and everyone could have like business attire on and they could be. You know, the teams could be meeting with their mayor, you know, across from a table. But instead, we put a beer in their hand. We tell them to wear pajamas if they want to. Uh, and, and so we kind of break down the barriers of, like, this being formal where community is fun and informal and you can still get things done. Shane and Bush, this is part of the show we call Another Great Idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got that great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for, or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with, or a great investment opportunity you should jump on. You can take advice like this and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have turned out really great. Or you can take your friend's advice and it turns out to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had that great idea for you? Did you take their advice? How did it turn out? Shane, you want to go first? You want me to? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I always have to give credit to my partner, Jason Perkins, uh, for getting me involved in this company to begin with, with Chiron and what's now Digital Twin Studios. I didn't want to do it. I had my first company when I was 20 and uh, had been in business for years in my 20s. And it was a, it's rough. It's a big challenge. And um, starting from scratch is no fun. Uh, it's exciting, you know, but it, it can be. Uh, really challenging and with with uh, if you look at the percentages and think about it too much it's really daunting you know how many businesses fail within the first few years um, so it's got to be a really good idea and uh, he brought it he was in the business he was in the safety business and uh, came to me with the idea and said hey I'd like you to come in with me because I know you know how to run businesses and stuff and uh, I took six months of convincing <laughs> <laughs> but because uh, I had a great job, I was already in oil and gas in in a, a division management position, and you know was kind of on cruise control. Um, but I realized, you know, really the only way you're ever gonna really get ahead and be able to retire young and enjoy your life is if you start your own company. If you take the risk, um, that's what the risk is worth the reward. You you've got to take the jump if you're actually you know want to put some real money in the bank. And me, you ever had those friends growing up that can, can convince you to do anything? No. <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> I had one that, uh, he was the kind of guy that was, uh, and, and he wouldn't convince me to do bad things, but he was like always encouraging me to do really adventurous stuff. Um, you know, he would, he would call me, you know, before the summertime and say, hey, you want to go backpacking in Europe? You know, we're 18 years old. And. And I'd say, well, you know, I'm broke. I don't think I can do it. You know, my dad will pay for it kind of thing. Okay, you know, we'll come. Oh, wow. Um, I those kind of friends. Yeah, he, he was a great friend. But anyway, he, uh, one, year, one year he called me up and he said, uh, I think we were about 23, he said, let's go climb. There's this mountain in Africa uh, called Kilimanjaro. Let's go ahead and go climb it. 
And I'm thinking, okay, um, sure. Like, I was like, is it, so, you know, you start reading about it, and it's a non-technical climb, you know, like if you go at a certain time of year, it's not super cold. Um, and then you start reading about all these people, all these average people. Maybe they're not, not you know, they're not very athletic, and they're, and they're climbing this mountain. And uh, anyway, we, we committed, and uh, he fully committed. I just committed, decided just to show up and do it. It was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> Six days up, two days back, 19,000 feet, I think, was, uh, was the summit. And it was, you know, I always thought that I was an athlete, right? And, and it, you know, it's like, all right, if I could, if, if, you know, such and such could climb this mountain, I mean, I think I can do it. But I always say, if you, if you think you're an athlete and you want to be humbled, go do that thing that you're good at doing at 16,000 feet and then call me. So, anyway, it was a pretty humbling moment. Nothing to do with business, Shane. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Worst experience it, of your life. Though, did it then strong. change your approach to things where you, when you were committed, you were fully in? Did you learn from that, or did you just have the same habits? No. <laughs> no, it's more of like now that I, you know, those posters on the wall. It's like <clears throat> motivation is the guy like climbing the mountain. Um, it just reminds me of how like stupid climbing mountains. I mean, it's just like there's there's nothing that that came from that other than you know I'll, I'll never do it again. I wouldn't encourage anyone else to do it. Um, even even when you're at summit, it's still like I'd love to sit here and tell you guys like oh it was gorgeous. You know I you know it was worth it once you got to the top. It wasn't. It was terrible. <laughs> so. You know, I think we have to be honest with ourselves sometimes. And, and then you have to realize, and man, i got to turn around and do it all over again. i got to do it all over <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Climbing mountains, are, you know, it's not fun. So, <laughs> Butch, you actually have a real job and at the moment are doing the 24-hour citizen project in your spare time. Why? Why what? Why, the, why, why do I have a real job or why do I have the 24-hour citizen project or both? I guess it could be either. But why do you put so much time into, into your community? Uh, you why know, does that make business sense or does it? Um, no, it doesn't make any sense for me. I don't get any um, – I don't get there, – there's wow. no value other than the value that provides to the community of me doing business here. So it has nothing to do with that. All of my clients are out of the country, out of the state. Um, I, um, I do on occasion some, some mission work, uh, in Haiti. And one of the things that I love about that type of work is walking around in the middle of what we would call a work day and seeing people working together, meaning I'm walking down the street and I see <coughs> neighbors, <coughs> excuse me, Neighbors helping neighbors build houses. I see neighbors helping neighbors uh, build gardens and raise goats and chickens and do laundry together. And I feel like our community lacks that in a sense. And um, it's important that we feel connected to something and it's important that we feel connected to the people. And the 24-Hour Citizen Project is my attempt to do that in a community that doesn't help, you know, build houses because we don't have, we don't, you know, society hasn't provided that to us where we are. Um, and so that's kind of like, that's my driving force. It's like, you know, people, to be a community, need to be connected to one another. And if I can connect people to make things happen, you know, then I've done my job. So is there a way to build that connection and make money from a project? You know, that's the, that's the million-dollar question. I don't know. Maybe. 
Maybe. You're talking about for me or for someone pursuing a project? For, let's go with for you. Um, I'm not sure. I, Is there a future in which you could be the full time, this could be your full time living, helping others to help themselves? I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't think so. I don't, that's not really a goal for me. I don't know if I desire it. Um, I, I think that in anything we do, maybe I would poison the 24-hour citizen project from a personal standpoint, my outlook towards it, if it became my job. I mean, it is my labor of, it's my true labor of love, and I'm enjoying not getting paid for it, and that's okay. We've all had moments in our lives when we've looked back and wondered, what was I thinking? Usually we're looking back at something that seemed like a great idea at the time. In business, being able to change with changing times and being able to adapt to changing markets and demands is the difference between being left out in the dust and being out front in the lead. Butch and Shane, you're both running with business ideas that have been shaped by demand and are succeeding because of your abilities to respond to that market. Thank you both for sharing your pivoting experiences with us today. It's been really informative and I'm sure instructional and inspiring to other people in local businesses who are having to adapt to changing circumstances. Thank you both for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thanks, Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Butch Roussel, founder of the 24-Hour Citizen Project, and Shane East, CEO of Digital Twin Studios. You can find out more about Butch's project and Shane's studios by following the link on our website, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our researcher is Anne Christian. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsacadiana.com, and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius on lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and krvs88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Cafe Vermilionville for more business, Acadiana style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Schuert & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. 
Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.